from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. On January 1st, 2018, New Year's Day, President Donald J. Trump wrote a tweet. It said the U.S. has foolishly given Pakistan more than $33 billion in aid over the last 15 years, and they have given us nothing but lies and deceit, thinking of our leaders as fools. They give safe haven to the terrorists we hunt in Afghanistan with little help. No more. Use of such language hurts. Uh, it is uh, it is disappointing, and our National Security Committee met with civil and military leadership, got together, and they exactly had to say the same thing. Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., Aizaz Chowdhury, spoke with Target USA from Islamabad, and basically what he said was they were confused by the president's tweets because they'd heard something completely the opposite from Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis. Secretary Tillerson visited Pakistan, Secretary Mattis had visited Pakistan, and they had talked about what is called common ground. Amid the president's blistering tweets and the allegations of lying and deceit and the outrage in Pakistan over that message, there's a backstory. There's the Osama bin Laden problem. There's concern about Pakistan not doing all it could to help the U.S. in its war in Afghanistan. And then there's decades of distrust. We get into all of it on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. There were protests in Pakistan after President Trump made his lies and deceit tweet about Pakistan taking $33 billion in money and delivering very little and thinking U.S. leaders to be fools. He had already threatened to withhold aid money from Pakistan, But the New Year's Day tweets were more than Pakistani leaders could handle. And his press secretary, Sarah Sanders, was asked about it. The president outlined a new strategy for Afghanistan and South Asia uh, earlier this past year in August. And at that time, he laid out and said that Pakistan is not fulfilling its obligations. The president is simply following through on a commitment that he made because this is a president who uh, does what he says he's going to do. We know that Pakistan can do more to fight terrorism, and we want them to step up and do that. We wanted you to hear exactly what Pakistan thought about the president's tweets and what Pakistan's planning to do about it. So we located Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., Aizaz Chowdhury, who was in Islamabad at the time, and we talked to him at length about all of this uproar. But as in most spats, both sides share some blame, and we spoke to him about Pakistan's share, too. Ambassador, thank you for taking time to talk with us, and... um, I want to get right to the heart of the story. Please mm-hmm. please respond directly 
to President Trump's accusation that Pakistan has taken more than $30 billion from the U.S. in the last 15 years and gotten mm-hmm. nothing but lies, deceit, uh, but and got nothing but lies and deceit, thinking of our leaders as fools from Pakistan. How do you respond to that? Pakistan and the United States of America worked together, uh, especially since 9-11, uh, and we decimated Al-Qaeda. We accomplished many milestones. We still have a lot of work to, to be done. Uh, and in the process, Pakistan has suffered a lot. We sacrificed a lot. Uh, we spent, you know, we suffered economic losses of $120 billion. We Tens of thousands of people were, uh, were lost. And luckily, we were able to succeed and reverse the tide of terrorism. And now those terrorists are, run, uh, are on the run. The, the point is that uh, all these sacrifices uh, cannot be measured really in monetary terms. Uh, we think that uh, uh, out of those $33 billion being talked about, more than half were actually reimbursements for uh, the expenses that Pakistan had made in pursuit of joint objectives in counterterrorism. Uh, therefore, I think if we were to do math, there were so many other factors. For example, Pakistan has been contributing uh, by way of ground and air lines of communication to the United States since 2002, and we believe that uh, this is no favor. We, we did it because we were partners, and we were. Uh, this is a proof that we wanted to work together. Uh, so I uh, personally feel that uh, the bigger picture was more important, is more important, and, uh, and, and any blames or, uh, or use of such language hurts. Uh, it is uh, it is disappointing, and our National Security Committee met where civil and military leadership got together, and they exactly had to say the same thing. The other factor that uh, that sort of um, uh, is relevant is that uh, we were actually having an engagement at a high level with the United States. Secretary Tillerson visited Pakistan. Secretary Mattis had visited Pakistan, and they had talked about what is called common ground, that we need to find common ground. And we believe there is common ground uh, to be found. And uh, suddenly we find uh, uh, that uh, uh, the, the language being used uh, is uh, not in consonance. Well, and that's why we think that this, this language is incomprehensible uh, to us. We believe that there was there was a genuine effort uh, being made by both sides to find common ground um, in Afghanistan, in our region, uh, where uh, indeed we can work together. Do you feel blindsided, considering what you've said, that um, clearly the math here is fuzzy? Um, it doesn't uh, include all of the uh, sacrifices of people, all of the other non-tangible elements that Pakistan says that it has done to help the U.S. uh, and the West. Uh, When you hear uh, the comments that you said hurt and are disappointing, um, uh, what is the the message back to Mr. Trump in in that regard? What do you say to him? Uh, Well, we, uh, we would say that you rightly mentioned uh, intangibles, but there were tangible 
you know, areas of cooperation. Like I, like I mentioned, we, we have facilitated uh, U.S. access to Afghanistan in every respect, and uh, we, we believe uh, it was uh, uh, a partnership. Uh, we were allies. And, uh, and I, we also believe that if we remain partners and we continue working together, uh, we can achieve the very objectives that U.S. wants to achieve. By um, if the two countries drift apart, I wonder if those objectives can be achieved uh, as uh, well as we would have done it together. You know, uh, in 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 addition to the the comments about lying and deceiving and thinking of U.S. leaders as fools, Mr. Trump also said that Pakistan has given safe haven to terrorists. That you that that the U.S. has been hunting in Afghanistan with only a little help, no more. Is that accurate? Uh, safe havens. Uh, uh, you know, we have worked very hard to eliminate all safe havens that were there in North Waziristan, and we have successfully routed routed them, uh, eliminated all those hideouts. Uh, most of the of Taliban and Afghan and uh, and the Haqqani leadership are now in Afghanistan, but it is a porous border. You know, there is a there is a back and forth movement all the time, and therefore we have also uh, said that we need to have uh, border management where Pakistan is already working, but we need cooperation from the Afghan and the U.S. side so that this border is not used by terrorists to cross either way. Uh, the fact now is that sanctuaries and safe havens have moved into Afghanistan, on the eastern, in, in eastern Afghanistan, from where regular attacks are being mounted against uh, Pakistan. So that's, uh, uh, that's the, the, the reality, and we need to actually uh, sit together and, uh, and, and work how we can uh, ameliorate this situation. Not to belabor the point or to beat the dead horse, you've already spoken very eloquently about what Pakistan has done to help the U.S. What examples can you point to to prove that Pakistan, as the president claims, has not deceived the U.S.? Has not deceived the U.S.? Yes, sir. Uh, what examples can you show or say uh, to refute the president's point that the Pakistan has lied and deceived the U.S.? Tell me, if you don't hear Al-Qaeda, an organization that was responsible for 9-11, how did that occur? How did that happen? It happened because we cooperated with each other and not because we deceived each other. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a very glaring example that, uh, uh, that, that we worked and we achieved results. Mm -hmm. But there is still a very sore point between the U.S. and Pakistan, the Osama bin Laden problem. He was found in Pakistan. We, and we are happy that he got killed, but we are not happy the way this happened. There is still some simmering anger about what happened when the U.S. found Osama bin Laden in Pakistan. And we'll get into that when we return to Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and you're listening to Target USA. The National Security Podcast. On this program, we've been talking to Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., Aizaz Chowdhury, 
about President Trump's tweets accusing them of being liars and deceiving the U.S. while taking billions of dollars in aid money. And he's responded to that saying it's hurtful and it's disappointing. But we've also asked him as well about Pakistan's role in allegedly deceiving the U.S. And we continue that conversation. So how do you explain then the Osama bin Laden problem? He was found in Abbottabad after years of hunting him. Osama bin Laden, uh, we are, of course, equally sad that uh, he was hiding uh, in that part. Uh, but but we, we, and we are happy that he got killed, but we are not happy the way this happened. Because, uh, after all, Pakistan and the United States were allies, and uh, we should have been taken into confidence. Uh, allies don't embarrass each other. Mm-hmm. It's co- uh, by not taking us into confidence, uh, we we were uh, you know faced national embarrassment. So we believe that uh, the same thing could have the same objective could have been achieved in a much better fashion if Pakistan had been uh, taken on board on this. Mm-hmm. Has 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 the attempts have the attempts to fix the U.S. Pakistan relationship after the embarrassment and the problem with the Osama bin Laden situation, after all of the efforts that were undertaken to fix the relationship, does this latest development from the Trump White House set the relationship back? Well, we hope not, because we would still like to uh, retain the hope that uh, uh, that the two countries uh, and the leaderships uh, stay engaged, uh, we need. We have job to to do to be done. Afghanistan is not yet stable. In fact, situation has deteriorated. Forty three percent of territory has become ungoverned spaces, which is a magnet for for uh, attracting militants of the world. And therefore, there's work to be done. We want to stabilize Afghanistan because we have suffered from the instability in Afghanistan, and we believe United States wants to stabilize Afghanistan because it has had a long war. Uh, in Afghanistan, so there is there is work to be done uh, by by both countries. Even the overall threat of terrorism uh, in, in still needs to be countered. We have made quite a few quite a few achievements and successes, but we believe that there is still a lot of work to be done because uh, this is a this is a you know profound challenge challenge to us. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that, Mr. Trump? Based on the things that he said, and there have been other instances in in all fairnesses in all fairness, where he said things that can't be proven or some would say are not true. Um, do you believe that he is a trusted can be a trusted partner for Pakistan? Well, as a diplomat, I would always uh, uh, I would never make any comment on the personality of the president because he is the elected. Uh, leader of your country, and um, in government-to-government relations, we deal with whoever is elected by the people of uh, uh, of the host country. So we will deal with him as uh, as an elected representative of your country. Have you um, sufficient proof that the U.S. is the kind of partner that Pakistan wants? Uh, to engage in very sensitive discussions and uh, intelligence sharing, et cetera, moving forward, uh, based on some of the recent developments, including the statements that you referred to that were hurtful and disappointing? 
We uh, we believe that uh, United States is a very very important uh, country. Um, it has an elaborate system of governance. Uh, we believe engagement uh, will be helpful. Uh, we the two sides must stay engaged at all levels, at leadership level, at working level, uh, because uh, we have cooperated and worked together not only in counterterrorism but in scores of areas. Uh, from education and health to um, IT and commerce to defense cooperation to uh, counterterrorism. Uh, so countless areas uh, in which we, we have worked together. So we, we think that we must continue to stay engaged. Uh, Ambassador, the U.S. and Pakistan, and we, sh- we should be very honest and clear about this, the U.S. and Pakistan has had its ups and downs over the years. And some would say, uh, and sometimes it seems as though Pakistan and the U.S. don't trust each other. That's very clear. It's been that way for decades. People in both countries are cynical sometimes about this and are very, you know, much engaged and smart enough to see through political rhetoric on both sides. So how do you propose to make this a more trusting relationship? Is there a way to do that? I think uh, that's the only way forward. We need to rebuild the trust. We need to understand each other better. Maybe there is a mismatch of expectations. That is a possibility. It can happen. There's also a possibility that we don't need, uh, you know, have full congruence of interests. Uh, there will be areas of convergence and there will be areas of divergence. But if we focus only on areas of divergence, then I'm afraid the relationship will not grow and, and, and common objectives will not be achieved. But if we do the, exactly the opposite, if we you know, uh, focus on areas of uh, convergence, what unites us, then I believe uh, we both will be able to gain. Uh-huh. Is Pakistan's top leadership uh, dedicated to that? And now, now, and I guess a better question is, is the top leadership position in Pakistan stable? right now, after the court ruling on President Sharif? Well, as you saw that one prime minister uh, uh, was, uh, you know, removed or made to leave by, by the court orders. And uh, within three days, uh, there was another elected prime minister was elected by the parliament. So it was a, uh, you know, constitutional change, which happened seamlessly and smoothly. Uh, now we are pre- uh, preparing to... Uh, hold general elections, which were already due in the middle of uh, the current month. Um, So everything is uh, on course. So democratic process in Pakistan is continuing. So you don't believe, was that a setback for Pakistan, you believe, the situation with President Sharif? Was that a setback or was that just something that had to happen? Well, naturally, when you have uh, a major step like this one, uh, this does cause uh, ripples and uh, above all it was the economic situation which uh, suffered because of the political uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ambassador, part of the reason why I asked that question about the stability piece is because one of the big questions in the U.S. Uh, for for many years now and, and it's been across administrations uh, is about Pakistan's security uh, and the security of its nuclear weapons. Uh, How safe are they from rogue elements taking control of them and possibly launching them? We see, as you've continued to 
uh, systematically eradicate terrorists from the picture, that the risk is less. But there is still a terrorism problem. And when you have a change of leadership, there possibly could be vacuums sometimes. So how, how safe are the nuclear weapons at this point? Uh, nuclear weapons in Pakistan are uh, as safe as uh, that of uh, any other country. In fact, better. Um, we have an immaculate record of nuclear safety. Uh, for the last 40 years, we have uh, generated power using nuclear fissile material and mm, touch wood, not a single incident. Nuclear security, again, uh, we, uh, mm, you know, there have been thousands, maybe 2,700, over 2,700 incidents of theft of fissile material, uh, not one relating to Pakistan, because we take extra care, multiple layers of security. In export controls, we have made special effort to align our national list um, of controls, export controls, with those of the multilateral regime. In fact, we have unilaterally um, uh, adhere, uh, uh, declared our adherence uh, to the guidelines of nuclear suppliers group. Uh, our command and control is centralized. Uh, we, mm, you know, we have a national command authority chaired by the prime minister. Uh, and we have a center of excellence and your, uh, you know, when we used to have this regular dialogue uh, under the previous administration, these people, your experts and senior officials have come and seen the amount of uh, effort we have made in this regard. The overall, um, overall, um, you know, rationale for our nuclear capability is to deter aggression. Uh, from our east, which we have faced in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a defensive program. We are not into any arms race with India, but we don't want India to aggress against. So it's a deterrence. It's a, it's a deterrence that we would like to maintain to, or to avoid war and maintain strategic stability in South Asia. I don't think there is any reason for, uh, for worrying that terrorists could lay their hands on on fissile material. I don't think it is possible. Uh, now we are winning the war against terrorism, but even when the time was such that we were under attack by these terrorists, nobody ever came any close to any nuclear installation. Uh, so I, am, I'm, I don't think that uh, this fear is uh, well-placed. One more question, uh, two more quick questions, and then I'll ask for comments from you before we close, because I know it's, it's late there. The, 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 the relationship with India, the U.S. has tried to balance its relationship with both Pakistan and India. Uh, how is the relationship with India right now? We know that there are still, there have been some longstanding concerns. You know, the line of control is one of those things. There are other things as well. How is the relationship with India now? Well, we don't have a dialogue with India because India doesn't want to have that dialogue. They have some concerns on uh, on terrorist uh, elements, and we say to them that we also have those uh, concerns, and uh, it is a common enemy. But every time we, Pakistan and India, try to sit together, these elements stage some incident, and India suspends the dialogue, and we tell them that why do you suspend the dialogue? We need to continue to work together to isolate these very elements. Um, but somehow we have not been able to convince India that uh, that is the direction to go to. So the, the dialogue remains suspended. Uh, meanwhile, India is continuing its policies 
particularly his policies in in uh, in Kashmir, uh, occupied Kashmir, uh, where uh, it is un- it has unleashed uh, brutalities against the innocent Kashmiris, and that has become a matter of concern because people of Pakistan and people of Kashmir have have strong centuries-old links. Uh, so therefore. Uh, uh, the situation, I am afraid, is not good. And then uh, all these firings by Indian side on the line of control also add to the tensions. Uh, we thought that the United States, being a friend of both countries, could play a role. Uh, and we do hope that the United States would finally find a way to, to you know, contribute to strategic stability in South Asia. Okay, sir. Uh, last question from me. What is your message, and considering all of the things that we've talked about, the president's comments, which, as you said, were hurtful and disappointing, uh, and and the suspicions that have abounded for many years and the challenges that are out there, but also the opportunities that you point to. What is your message to the American people and especially the president? I think the message is that Pakistan and United States go back in time. We have worked together. And whenever we worked together, we benefited, both benefited. And whenever we didn't, we didn't. Uh, we believe there is still work to be done together. We believe that if the two allies don't uh, really work together, uh, there will be losses in our joint in the pursuit of our joint objectives. Uh, we believe that the task of uh, stabilizing Afghanistan is too important to be uh, left alone. We believe both Pakistan and United States need to play their part. We believe uh, terrorism, the menace of terrorism itself is not yet quenched fully. And there also we need to work together. And then, there is, as indicated, it's a multifaceted relationship where people-to-people contacts uh, continue regardless of how the governments uh, feel about each other. Uh, so there is every reason for Pakistan and the United States to, uh, to find a way to work together. And finally, is there anything you want to add, Ambassador, that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, the people of Pakistan uh, value relationship with the United States. We believe that uh, this relationship is also valuable for, for the United States uh, itself. So we do hope that uh, uh, the process of engagement between the two countries at all levels will resume. Um, and we will uh, regain uh, the lost trust. Ambassador, thank you. I know it's late again there. It's um, uh, well after midnight there in uh, about in uh, Islamabad. Thank you for taking time to do this. We look. Thank forward- you. Thank you for your time. We look thank forward to appreciate that. We look forward to talking to you when you arrive back in Washington. Indeed, it will be my honor and pleasure. Thank oh. you very much. Thank you, and good night, sir. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up on our next program, as we start off 2018, a big, brand new update on the Russia probe. You may remember last year's groundbreaking reports, Anatomy of a Russian Attack. Well, we've got a major update coming on our next episode. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Please, subscribe to our podcast, and also let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this 
is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. Hi, this is Ben Dominich, the host of the Federalist Radio Hour. We're a daily show coming to you five days a week from Washington, D.C., where we interview our nation's top journalists, politicians, authors, chefs, economists, entertainers, and more. If you're looking for a contrarian discussion on news, politics, or culture, give us a listen and subscribe at podcastone.com, the new Podcast One app, or at Apple Podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.